Good morning, good morning. I'm so grateful uh, to be able to, to stand up here and see your faces out there. And uh, thank you, Lisa, uh, for sharing a little bit about what God has done in your life. So I, I did grow up at this church. I was eight, not seven. Uh, 88, I might have been nine. But anyway, um, Lisa and her husband, Scott, were the youth leaders when I was a student in youth ministry uh, in high school. And uh, they had an incredible impact on my life just by being obedient and faithful. Um, I don't remember anything that was taught. I don't remember um, any, like, kind of deep discipleship as we might define it. But I remember faithful people who loved God and who loved us as annoying as we were as middle and high school students. They used to have us over to their house, and we would mess things up. We would flip their furniture upside down and then just leave. And we thought it was real funny. Um, then I became a youth pastor, and I realized how annoying middle and high school students are. And guys, you're sitting right down here, and I love you so much. Um, but... I'm just saying, no, I'm grateful um, for people who are a part of this church who have just been faithful to give, faithful to serve, faithful to be encouragers, faithful, faithful, faithful. And so um, before we do anything else, I just want to pray and thank God for his faithfulness in our lives, but also his faithfulness through his people. So, Lord God, you are faithful. God, you don't change. You are constant. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are a God who is holy. You are a God who is full of justice. You are a God who is full of mercy and grace. First John tells us that you are love. John chapter 14 tells us that you are truth and the way and life. So God, as we gather in this place today as your people, we celebrate and declare who you are, our Savior, our provider, the one who conforms us to the image of Jesus, the one who is so patient with us and so we are here today 
because of what you have done in our lives, because you are faithful. And Lord, help us to be faithful. Lord, when you call us to give, help us to give. When you call us to serve, help us to serve. When you call us to go, help us to go. When you call us to share a word of encouragement, help us to do it. When you call us to give something away and we're not sure about it, help us to trust you. Lord, speak to us through your word today. Remind us of your faithfulness in our lives. Remind us of your faithfulness to save those who are far from you. And Lord, help us to be a church full of people who will be faithful to declare your salvation, your truth, and your grace to a world that desperately needs to hear it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we are continuing our vision series. We started, this is week four, and we are uh, kicking off Missions Week. Um, you've already heard about it, but let me remind you because I know that I only hear certain things uh, at certain times, and people need to repeat it lots of times for me to eventually hear it. Uh, at least that's what Brooke tells me. Um, I, no, I know that it's true. It's true for all of us. So this week is Missions Week. On Wednesday night, we're going to have a service at 6.30 right here in this building. We're going to meet all of our missionary families who will be sharing and presenting the ministry that God has called them to. And afterwards, we're going to have ice cream, just get to hang out together and get to hang out and meet our missionary families. Then on Thursday night, we're going to have dinner together in the cafeteria fellowship hall at six o'clock, and then we're going to split up from there, uh, the, the men together and the women together. And we're going to hear from our, our men and women missionaries, um, kind of specifically just get to know them a little bit better. On Friday night, we'll have a service in here at six o'clock. After the service, we will have a cookout and chili or soup or dessert, uh, and we'll give out some grand prizes for the best chili soup or dessert. So if you make a really good chili soup or dessert, bring it in because we want to try it, uh, and you might get a prize. Um, and then, uh, then Sunday, we'll be back in here for morning service. And then Sunday evening, uh, we are going to have a celebration service right in here. And what we do at that celebration service is we give a lot of gifts to our missionary families. Uh, if you haven't picked up a missions brochure yet, you can in either lobby, the front lobby or the side lobby on your way out today. You can see it on our church app. You can find the Missions Week tab. And we're gathering items and, and things to help our missionaries in their ministries, some ministry needs, but also some personal needs just to be a blessing to them. We want to get all of those things covered and brought in, and then on Sunday night, we'll present those gifts just as a way to be an encouragement to our missionary families and remind them that God is faithful and God uses his people uh, to, to uh, show his faithfulness to others. So we're going to do that, and then we will make commitments together as a church family. We call it Faith Promise Missions Giving because by faith, we make a promise to give a certain amount uh, in the year 2021, and that money goes 100% to missions and ministries outside of our church. And so um, Arthur and Jess will be sent out in January as church planners to Sanford and, and 
the support that we give them comes from that Faith Promise Missions budget. All the missionaries that we support all over the world comes from that budget. So I pray that, that, that you would be praying and asking God um, how you might be able to give for Faith Promise Missions giving, okay? So that's Missions Week. And uh, we've been in this vision series talking about the vision that God has given us specifically as a church right here at 500 South Cimarron Boulevard in Orlando, Florida. Week one, we talked about the reality that as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, there is a mission that Jesus has given us. It's the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28. Go uh, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which we did this morning, praise God. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Jesus says, I'll be with you even until the very end of the age. In the book of Mark, we see another commission that just says, go into all the world and make disciples. In Luke, we see a commission where Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem till I send the Holy Spirit, then you're gonna go be my witnesses. And John, Jesus says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you into the world to take the gospel. And then we really honed in on Acts 1-8, which is another commissioning of Jesus Christ to his followers. It's going to be on the screen. It says, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And for us as a church, that is our mission and so we, we, we've taken Acts 1-8 and we have uh, clarified that into our mission statement as a church, which is this, we exist to be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference through the gospel in our community and around the world for the glory of God. That is our mission as a church. And so this series on vision and mission, uh, the, the tagline is embracing the call, this calling that God has placed on us as his people and his church in this community. We've, we've been talking about this idea. And then take it a step further than that, our, our kind of vision for how we accomplish this mission is by planting churches in hard places, multiplying churches in hard places. And so in January, we'll celebrate the, the beginning of a brand new church in Sanford, Florida, and we're so excited about what God will do through that. And then the last couple of weeks, we talked about how it is that we will accomplish this mission, and it comes right out of Acts chapter 2. We, we said there were six principles that, that kind of help us accomplish this mission that God has given us. And they're this. Number one, pray first. It starts with prayer. In the book of Acts, we see that the disciples were gathered in unified prayer. Before anything else happened, they had a prayer meeting. Second is to grow biblically. They dedicated themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer, to the word. They, they, they were dedicated to spiritual growth and learning, growing biblically. And as people of God, we must do the same. Embrace community. And it's not just this idea of hanging out and being together. We talked a little bit last week. The, the word for community is koinonia. And it's this sharing, not only sharing of life, but sharing of mission, uh, sharing the good things and the bad things. And, and, and Scripture also says that we, that we share with God. And, and the Father and 
the Son and the Holy Spirit, this idea of koinonia, that as one body joined together, sharing in community and in mission, we are accomplishing what God has sent us out to accomplish. The fourth thing, uh, I'm going to have to look on the screen, so show it to me, but live generously. Live generously. Again, this idea of koinonia, that we're sharing in the ministry, the mission that God has given us by living generously glorify God in all that we do, and then share the gospel. Share the gospel. And so this morning, um, we're going to look at John chapter 4. It, it was our reading for 21 days of prayer, and so the text for the message is John 4, so you can turn there, and we'll read through several verses together in John 4. Our 21 days of prayer wraps up today, and tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a prayer service together tonight at 6 o'clock. I hope you'll join us for our prayer service over in our youth room at the Alive Room for our student ministry uh, space. Um, We're going to pray together uh, for our missions week and, and pray for all that God is calling us to do as a church 21 days of prayer concluded today out of John chapter 4 where Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman and he, he says there's a time coming when you won't worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but the true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. But I, I want us to look at this whole passage because I, there's some important things for us this morning as we think about this idea of vision and mission. So we're going to start in um, verse 3. John chapter 4, verse 3 If you have your Bibles, you can read along or follow along on the screen. It says this, he, that's speaking about Jesus, left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about noon, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. I want you to hear in this exchange a a woman who is a little bit skeptical of this Jewish man speaking to her, having a conversation with her. I think there's probably a little bit of sarcasm in her voice as she responds to this Jewish rabbi. Jesus answered in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket and the well is deep, so where are you going to get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons. Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said, give me this water so I won't get thirsty again and come here to draw water. Now Jesus changes his approach Go and call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. 
you have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. And then she changes the subject. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. This passage is a missions passage. passage. Jesus is sharing the gospel at a well in Samaria in a little town called Sychar. This woman who is at the well is there in the middle of the day. Culturally, the explanation for this is that she didn't want to be at the well when the other women of the town were there because she was a bit of an outcast. We can see why because as Jesus points out, she'd been married several times and she was with a man now who was not her husband and and the other women on the town would have looked at her probably with some judgmental glances. But Jesus strikes up a conversation. He knows exactly what's going on in her life, but he takes an opportunity to share the gospel, to share about a living water that she can have if she would ask the Messiah. As we think about our mission as a church, our mission as the people of God sharing the gospel, there's a couple things that we see from this passage. Number one, If we want to understand the gospel, we must first be confronted by our sin. The gospel is good news. But in order to receive the good news, we have to know the bad news first. (laughs) And the truth is that we are sinful people. We are are selfish. We are self-righteous, right? Even on our worst days, we look at other people and go, yeah, but at least I'm not like them. Right? We want things our own way all the time, even at the expense of others. That's sin. And if we're being honest, we all know we're sinful. We've, we know we've, we have all sinned. And so Jesus points out some sin in this woman's life. But it was really important for him to do that. It wasn't, it wasn't to be mean. And it wasn't to make her feel less than. It was to show her that, that she needed some good news. And when we think about our responsibility to share the gospel, uh, part of that is confronting sin in our own lives and helping other people to confront sin in their lives. We have to confront sin, but 
we also need to recognize our need for a savior. Jesus came to be our savior. We're about to, how many of you are already in Christmas mode? Yeah, yep, 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 right. I mean, it, it, November 1st hit and people are, are celebrating Christmas. I saw uh, a little meme, I think, on, on one of the social medias, Instagram or something, um, and, and this woman said, stop complaining about skipping Thanksgiving. That's not what we're doing. And, and so she gave a little diagram that went like this. November 1st through 24th equals Christmas. November 25th equals Thanksgiving. November 26th through January 1st equals Christmas. So we're not skipping Thanksgiving. We, when, when it gets there, we'll celebrate it. But until then, I, I went to Starbucks this morning and they had the red Christmas cups. Jesus came and the shepherds heard from the angels Behold, a Savior is born to you. Jesus came to be our Savior because we needed a Savior. So Jesus confronts sin, but then he also points out that he has living water to give. And as we think about our, our mission, we have to proclaim the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's a quote that I love. Um, it's going to be on the screen, and I'm going to read it from there. It says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the gospel. We're more sinful than we ever thought, but we're more loved than we ever hoped in Jesus Christ. That's what we declare. Jesus declares it to this woman in John chapter four. So Jesus is speaking to this woman. He, he tells her that he is the Messiah. And all of a sudden, it clicks and she recognizes that, that she needs to know this Messiah, but she runs into town and she tells everybody else to come out and meet this man who's told me everything that I've ever done. And the scripture tells us that lots of people from Samaria put their faith in Jesus. But verse 27 says, just then his disciples arrived and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar. She went into town and told the people, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Verse 33, the disciples said to one another, "Could?" Or, I'm sorry, we'll stay at verse 30. They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And the disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said, look, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told them, don't you say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. Verse 39 says, now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified. He told me everything I ever did. Jesus is sharing the gospel, but he's also taking an opportunity to teach his disciples something. 
he's teaching them that his mission is to share the gospel, the good news about himself and what he has come to do. He, he, he teaches them over and over and over throughout his ministry that this is what it's all about. And then as he dies on the cross and rises from the grave three days later and appears in his glorified body to his disciples, he continues to remind them about what the mission is. And then when he finally ascends to heaven, he tells them as he goes, listen, go tell the whole world. And Jesus is reminding them once again in this passage about what the mission is. It's central to all that we do. And we see a couple things in this passage. We see that the gospel, sharing the gospel, it goes beyond cultural boundaries. We live in an incredibly divided culture. In fact, the joke has been made several times already. We've got red chairs over here and blue chairs over here. So, you know, we've got the... Republican section and the Democrat section. <laughs> and then several people said, well, I know where I'm sitting, you know. When Jesus sits down with this woman at the well in Sychar in Samaria, he broke down some incredible barriers. Uh, there, there were barriers when it came to the sexes at this time in culture. Men did not talk to women who were out by themselves. But Jesus breaks down this cultural barrier. Samaritans and, and the Jews did not associate with each other. There was uh, political, racial, cultural barriers that kept them far apart. And yet Jesus sits down and talks with this woman at the well. His disciples go to get food. And when they come back with food, Jesus says, I'm not hungry. And they say, well, who brought him food? Because all they can think about is that their stomachs are growling. And Jesus said, I've got food that y'all don't know about. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Uh, he's telling us the mission is more important than our physical needs. The food that we want or that purple dress and pearl necklace and pearl earrings and matching bracelet. The mission is more important than the things we acquire. That's why Jesus said, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves can't break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The mission is, is more important than, than the cultural divides that separate us. It's more important than the things that we seek to accumulate in this life. Jesus is teaching his disciples this truth. Then he tells them the fields are white to harvest. It, it's a little illustration that Jesus is teaching them. When the harvest was ready, the wheat would begin to bend over and you would see the bottom of it and it looked white and that you knew it was time to harvest the wheat. But Jesus is not talking about wheat here. Remember, he just said, my food is to do the will of 
the one who sent me. And so he's again using this idea of food, wheat, to teach them a spiritual principle. And there is a spiritual harvest that Jesus is talking about. That's the harvest of souls. A harvest is a gathering in. And it is God's desire to gather to himself a people from every nation and tribe and tongue, from the ends of the earth. Jesus is pointing out to his disciples, it's time, guys, it's time, it's time. Stop waiting and open up your mouth and start declaring the good news. And that's what we celebrate this week, Missions Week. that the gospel would be declared in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so we're going to celebrate this week. Arthur and Jess and their kids will be here and we'll celebrate church planting right here in our own state. We're going to celebrate with Douglas and Christy Pais who are going to serve in Morocco. We're going to celebrate with Mark and Gurley Johnson who are serving in Cambodia and Southeast Asia and raising up church planters and workers to go from Southeast Asia to all over the world. I, I got a call from uh, someone who's a part of the organization that they're with um, and they're putting together a trip to Dubai where missionaries from Southeast Asia are going and planting churches in the Middle East now. And we're going to celebrate with Josh and Alex Zuniga who have an incredible ministry uh, through recovery, addiction recovery, sharing the gospel with those who are struggling, held captive by addiction to different things in their life. All of those are gospel sharing ministries and so that's what we're going to celebrate this week. That's what we must be about. It's what Jesus was reminding his disciples as he shared the gospel with this woman. He was also sharing the importance of sharing the good news with his disciples. And so today we're going to wrap up our time by celebrating communion together, by sharing the cup and the bread. I knew as soon as we got back in this building, I we, we wanted to baptize some people and we wanted to take the Lord's Supper together. And so we're gonna do that. The Lord's Supper communion reminds us of this great gospel mission. It reminds us about the Savior who came to give his life as a ransom for many. It reminds us that his body was broken for us, that his blood was spilled for us, and it reminds us that we are called together in unity to declare that truth to others. And so as we take the Lord's Supper together today, I pray that you would be reminded of God's faithfulness and his call on our lives to continue to share the good news. I want to read out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse 27, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth and he's sharing with them some principles around how we celebrate communion and the Lord's table together. 
In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, he says, So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself in this way. Let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body of Jesus Christ eats and drinks judgment on himself. This morning, as we prepare to take communion together, I want to remind you the significance of what communion is. It represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and his blood that was spilled. So as we take communion together today, um, communion is for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ the Savior. If you're here with us today, but you've never come to a place of faith in your life, communion is not for you. We are so glad that you're here and we pray that you'll come to a point of faith in Jesus Christ. But communion reminds those of us who have put our faith in Jesus what Jesus Christ has done for us. And so the passage tells us um, that before you take communion, examine yourself. Number one, we examine, have we put our faith in Jesus Christ the Savior? The reason we must put our faith in Jesus Christ the Savior is because, as we said earlier, we've got a sin problem. God's Word says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Could be a big sin or a little sin, all of them separate us from God. I, I've said this many times, but I'll say it again. If we were all lighting up on the coast of Long Island in New York, and we were going to swim across the Atlantic Ocean to the coast of Ireland, none of us would make it. You might make it further than me. Right? And Michael Phelps or whoever's the latest, greatest swimmer would make it further than all the rest of us. But at the end of the day, he wouldn't make it either because it's just too stinking far to go. And you're probably a better person than I am. But you're still a sinner. <laughs> and you fall short of God's glory just the same as I do. We are all equal in that regard. But the good news is, Jesus Christ made a way to deal with our sin and he dealt with it by dying on the cross and taking the penalty that we deserved. So scripture says that if we will call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. We recognize what he's done for us and we put our faith in his work on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. So first we examine our heart. Have we put our faith in Jesus? And this morning, if you've never come to a place of faith, today can be the day of your salvation. We express our faith to God most often through prayer. Just to say, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I recognize that my sin separates me from you. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for my sin. I place my faith in what he's done. I ask you to save me. It's a simple prayer of faith. And he'll save you. 
so we examine our heart. Have we placed our faith in Jesus? But if we have placed our faith in Jesus, we are a believer. We still examine our heart and our life. Are we living in fellowship and communion with the Lord? Are there things in our life that, um, that are distracting us from our relationship with God? Are there things in our life that we know are wrong, but we're choosing them instead of choosing to follow him? We examine ourselves. So we're going to take just a moment right now and just have a time of reflection and examination. So I, I want to invite you where you're at, just pray and ask God. God, is there anything in my life that's separating me from my relationship with you? Is there any hindrance? Is there any sin? Is there any, is there any um, unforgiveness in my heart? So we'll just take about 60 seconds right now and pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace in our lives. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your restoration. We thank you for your patience. So Lord, we come to you today as needy people. Thank you. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our deacons to come to the front and they're going to help serve our communion elements today. Um, we're going to pass baskets down the row and there's a little uh, cup and, and wafer together. And um, let me get one to take up here on the stage real quick, Bob. As they're passing them out, just hold on to it and we'll take communion together if you're going to be taking communion with us today.
because in Scripture, at the first communion where Jesus gives his disciples the bread and the cup, it is a picture of service as Jesus washes his disciples' feet and then serves them. Communion reminds us that we have a servant king as our Savior. We're called to serve one another. And so we want to make sure everybody gets served. So has anyone not been served yet on over here? Let's, let's do it all together. Rip that first layer off. Crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. Has everyone been served? Even as we wait on each other to be served, it's a good reminder. Because none of us like to wait, right? As we wait on each other and we're patient with one another. Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23 says this for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you on that night when he was betrayed the Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me let's take the bread together Jesus, we thank you that you were wounded for our transgressions, you were bruised for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon you, and by your stripes we are healed. Thank you for your body which you gave for us on the cross. All right, now got to be a little bit more careful to open up the next layer. Let's open up the cup together.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25, says, In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the cup together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was spilled for us. For your word that says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So Lord, we remember your sacrifice and your faithfulness. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. You paid it all. All to you we owe. We thank you. Jesus' name. We're going to worship together, so why don't you stand up as we sing. I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness, watch and pray Find in me thine all in all Cause Jesus paid it all And all to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as to go and bring the good news to others 
And there's so many times where we feel like we just don't have the answer. We don't know enough of the gospel. We don't know enough scripture. And so we get scared. Um, but what I love is this next bridge that we're about to sing. This is the news that people need to see. They don't need the perfect answer. They need to see the transformation of Christ in your life. And so as the people of God, we sing this out as loud as we can, praising Jesus that he took our life. And though we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, at the right time he died for the ungodly like us. So let's sing this out. And so praise the one who paid my debt and raised his life up from the dead. Jesus, our prayer is that you will be glorified in our worship. Lord, we are so thankful that you have taken um, our lives, that we were dead in sin. You have made us alive in you, Jesus. And I pray that as we're looking at, at, at the mission field, as we're looking at what's up and coming for us as a church this week, God, will we never lose sight of that fact. The reason we support missionaries is because Jesus the Christ took our dead lives and raised us up with him. So Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your grace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 